Good morning and welcome to Rimrock Church. We are so excited to share this day with all you guys and gals. What a beautiful day, huh? Thank you, Jesus, for this beautiful day. Lord, we pray for rain. Need some rain, Lord. Let's lift him up. Come on. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run. the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide the ransom for my life only is my song you are good good oh you are good good oh you are You are good. 
Thank you, Lord. Yeah, give the Lord a hand. He is good. There's honey in the rock, water in the stone, manna on the ground, no matter where I go. Honey in the rock Nothing's changed. Mr. Purple Haze, I guess. Good morning. Little sidebar there, you know, if you watch criminal shows, sidebar with the judge. So, yeah. 
especially you and me together. God help us. Good morning. My name is Michael. As if you didn't know by now, thanks to Tom. I'm one of the pastors here on the staff. I want to welcome you. Um, it's a blessing to be with you and worship with you today. Uh, it is a privilege. If you're here for the first time or visiting us, uh, welcome. We're glad you could be here. If you have any questions or uh, about us, who we are, please stop by our information uh, table, which has coffee for you. We kind of try to entice you to stop there. And uh, we have a gift for you. We have a lot of information that we could give you. Uh, if you have any question about church, um, we are who we are. You, what you see is what you get. We love God and want to worship God, and that's pretty much what we do every Sunday. I do have a couple of uh, announce, announcements for us. First, first of all, um, if after the service you need prayer, there will be elders on the sides that be more than happy to pray with you and encourage you. Uh, please feel free to stop by or grab one of the pastors, one of the staff would be uh, great. Be excited to pray for you, and if you need anything, be able to meet some of those needs. Uh, we also have a fundraiser today downstairs. You'll be served, uh, my understanding is pancakes, eggs, sausage, and that money that's being raised is going to go to Ikalaka, the camp for uh, middle schoolers. Am I correct, man? Oh, I'm sorry. Grade school even got smaller, so we need to really help those little guys out because they need a lot of help, as you know. <laughs> But it would be served right after this service and the second service. So, and there's plenty of food. Please stop by. And there's still donuts. So don't worry if you didn't get your donut this morning. They would be there. Uh, as you know, we have Easter coming right up uh, on the April 15, and uh, which is a Good Friday. We'll be gathering together here for a time of service, um, uh, the time of baptism. If you want to get baptized, it's not too late. Please let one of us let. One of the pastors know, and we will be happy to get it all set up for you. Uh, we're going to set up baptistry right up here, and we're going to have a time of worship and share testimonies. And then, uh, of course, Sunday, April 17th, is the Easter. Uh, we're going to be downtown at, uh, now it's called Monument, I believe, at the theater there. So we look forward to having you there. Also, we got, as you know, when you do outdoors event, well, not outdoors, but Outside of our church, we're going to need some help. So these cards are, you receive, if you are willing or you have the time, we would love to uh, serve along with you. You could just fill your name, your email, your phone number, your DNA, your number of children, and <laughs> my gosh, need everything. Just, just give it all. And then Mark, what, where do you want to serve? Whether you want to be an usher, greeter, uh, you want to help with prayer before and during event. Uh, we're hoping to raise a team that's praying not only before the event, but also throughout the event. Um, and you will be situated in the theater, so you're not going to miss the message, but we really want to, uh, to uh, make sure we're praying and seeking God through that process. Because as you know, Easter and Christmas are the two times of the year that uh, people come to church uh, without any coercion or enticement. They just come, and so we want to make sure if there's anybody who really doesn't know God, they make that decision. We don't want to miss any opportunity. That being said, I want you to stand up, please. You've all been sitting for a little bit. Stand up. Yeah, that's it. There you go. Kind of stretch a little bit. Stretch those arms. Um, yeah, there's a reason for that. Of course, Andrew here has the whole role, so he could stretch his arms. Some of us cannot do that. But I want you to find somebody that you've never met before. I know you hate it when I do this, but I got the microphone. What are you going to do? So say hello to them and welcome them to Rimrock. Thank you.
Let her down, please. Fun is not over, but you can't have any more fun for now. Wait, we got somebody here still. Notice that no beautiful women came up to hug me. Of course not. <laughs> they know better, Tom. All right, uh, you may have a seat. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you doing that. And it's such a blessing. One of the gifts of being a believer in Christ is the fellowship we get to enjoy with one another because of the commonality that exists between us and strangers we don't know. Uh, what brings us together is Jesus Christ. So uh, we're going to do a, Ben, uh, our pastor, is starting a new study for the next three weeks, and we're going to be going through Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. And one of the issues that the Hebrews deal with uh, uh, is uh, in regards to sin. Obviously, the whole Bible deals with sin, but especially in Hebrews. I want to read for you um, really quickly out of Psalm 51. This is, this is about David. You all know the story of David. This is after he committed a premeditated murder and adultery and all that. And look at his response um, after he realized and recognized his sin. Sorry, I need accessories now these days. He says, be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the abundance of your compassion. Blot out, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sins. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned. And done what is evil on your side, so that you are justified when you speak and pure when you judge. When you judge, it's it's interesting that David acknowledges the fact that not only he's a sinner, but that when he sins, when you and I sin, we sin directly against God and God alone. People around us, unfortunately, are a recipient to the consequence of our simple behavior but ultimately with sin against God. And then in verse 10, he, uh, I love his response. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with the willing spirit. Then and only then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. You notice as long as there is sin in our lives, our evangelism is very ineffective. Our relationship with God, it's not there. Scripture is very clear. Darkness and light cannot dwell together. So it's important for all of us, and as we do this study the next three weeks, I'm excited to see what God has to has for us in regards to when we sin. We have a God that loves us, cares for us, and all he wants us to do is come to him when we realize we have sinned and ask for forgiveness. There's no punishment from God. There's no judgment as long as we confess our sins. And by confessing our sins, we're restoring our relationship with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your truth. Thank you for this morning. We look forward to what you have for us this morning through our study. I pray you be with our pastor, Lord. Bless him and uh, give him the wisdom and the word that we may, we may hear from you this morning. And prepare our hearts, Lord, and our ears to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, I was thinking about these verses that we're going to be going through. And, uh, worship team <laughs> endured me trying to write these words because I've changed them like three or four times but it goes like this I want to run this race to win I want to train my heart to fight with all the grace that you think I want to run this race to sing that with me come on I want to run this race to win I want to train my heart to fight with all the strength that you place within, I want to run 
win. I want to run this race to win. I want to train my heart to fight with all the strength that you placed within. I want to run this race to win. Throw off those chains that slow me down. All the sin that entangles me. Surrender all, all thoughts and fears that don't come from the one who rescued me. I want to run this race to win. I want to train my heart to fight with all the strength that you placed within. I want to run this race to win. I want to fix my eyes on you, the one who bore the cross for me. Remember those who are watching now. I want to run this race through me. Tear off those chains that slow me down. All the sin that entangles me. Surrender all, all thoughts and fears that don't come from the one who rescued me. I want to run this race to win. I want to train my heart to fight. With all the strength that you placed within, I want to run this race to win. Fix my eyes, I want to fix my eyes on you. The one who pulled the cross for me. Remember those who watch me now as you run this race through me. Throw off, throw off these chains that slow me down. All the sin that entangles me. Surrender all, all thoughts and fears that don't come from the one who rescued me.
set all things right, Jesus. All the things that cause us pain, God. No more war. No more aggressive nations terrorizing others, destroying others, God. But you are going to bring this creation back to the way it was supposed to be. And the creation groans and we groan, God, but not without hope. Because, God, you are going to set things right. And we trust you for it, God. As Ben comes up, Lord, speak through him. Listen through us, God. Change us today. Start with me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. He is worthy. So we're going to be in Hebrews 12. I know we already uh, heard the scriptures, but uh, I'm going to read it again. 
Hebrews chapter 12, if you have your Bibles, you can open them. It'll be on the screens. Um, And the context, the first word is therefore. So the context is Hebrews chapter 11, where there's a list of men and women of faith who trusted God and um, didn't lean on their own understanding, but they trusted God, they worshiped God imperfect people because if you look at that list of faith uh, the judges are listed there and we've just spent uh, weeks and weeks looking at the judges right and uh, and none of them were perfect they all struggled with sin yet God was faithful he's worthy of our faith and so in chapter 12 as we read these verses when it talks about a witness these aren't necessarily people cheering on us, although there is a sense of that. Rather, these are people of faith who've pressed in, who've run the race. And therefore, verse 1, chapter 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author or in the NIV it says, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's the goal. Let's not lose heart. Let's not grow weary in our faith in that song that Jesus is worthy <laughs> right? All of human history is culminating to that day when every nation, tribe, and tongue will declare his worth. But until that day, we're still running a race. (laughs) We're still struggling with sin. So over the next uh, three weeks leading up to Easter, um, we're going to be looking uh, particularly at verse 1, this idea of throwing off everything that hinders, the sin that entangles, Traditionally in the church, this has been a time where the church has intentionally uh, sought the Lord in disciplines and spiritual practices and and fasting and seeking God. Um, Every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday, right? For us as Christians, the resurrection isn't something we just celebrate once a week, or once a year, I should say. It is something we think about and infects every aspect of our lives every day but every Sunday we need to be reminded of it but once a year uh, we make a big deal about it right and we celebrate the resurrection but leading up to that time it's important to examine ourselves to examine our faith to examine what's really important to us what what are we worshiping what what drives our lives what is our love what is our desire and so over the next three weeks, uh, the pre- preaching team and I really struggled with this. We prayed and we, we, we wrestled with this idea of, of, do we just talk about sin generically or do we really zero in on those issues that we uh, see the Bible highlights and that we see our struggles in our culture? And so we decided to uh, zero in on three things. This week, this Sunday, we're going to be looking at the issue of food. Next Sunday, we're going to be looking at the issue of sex. And so parents, just a heads up, if you have young uh, kids who aren't quite ready, um, we just want to give you a heads up for next Sunday. We have children's programming during this time, or if it's something you want to rather watch online, that, that's fine too. But, but we feel like we need to talk about these issues. So just a heads up for next week. And then the third Sunday, we're going to be looking at issues of image, issues of uh, image and appearance. So this morning, as we think about the issue of food, I think it's really important uh, as we go into these topics in light of what the Bible says, we need to understand that um, we're not here to judge or condemn anyone. (laughs) In fact, Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And so our posture going into this shouldn't be to look around, but to look here. All of us, the Bible says, have sinned. All of us struggle. Now, our sin and our struggle looks different. Like, it looks different for each of us. And, and Jesus was very clear that we are never to judge others. 
because God alone is the judge. And so it's very important as we enter these subjects that we're not uh, thinking about other people. <laughs> Rather, it's an invitation to think about ourselves, our own hearts, our own lives, and, as the verse says, to fix our eyes on who? Jesus, <laughs> right? So this is an invitation to examine our hearts and to fix our eyes on Jesus. There is no condemnation in Christ. Amen? <laughs> we have hope. We have forgiveness. There is, there is every reason to believe that God is powerful enough to transform us. He's working in us all in unique and different special ways. And so as we go into these subjects, we're never to come with a posture of judgment or condemnation towards others or even ourselves. We come humbly. We come before the Lord. And so uh, as we talk about food, uh, I think the bigger issue isn't that food in itself is wrong or bad. In fact, I think just the opposite. Food is a wonderful gift, and it is from God. So food is good. The issue in the New Testament and throughout the book of Judges is when food was sacrificed to idols. Food sacrificed to idols. Now, we have an issue. I've been places in the world, and even here in the United States, I've been in homes where people have little idols, and they actually sacrifice literally food to those idols. <laughs> that still happens a lot in our world. And so it addresses that issue, but the New Testament also helps us see that idols or idolatry isn't just graven images, but it is things or other ideas that seek to replace God, where we give our love and our devotion and our trust to anything else who isn't God. And so idolatry goes beyond just the graven image. In fact, Calvin said, the human heart is an idol-making factory. We are so prone to idolatry. And so the issue of food, we have to understand, first of all, that food is created by God and is given by God. God is good, and everything he has made is good. <laughs> that is the first declaration of the Bible, is everything that God has made is good. And so food is good. And we know this as Christians. Um, many of you grew up in different faith churches, uh, traditions, and potlucks, Food is part of being a Christian, right? <laughs> we, there, every one of us have uh, backgrounds where when we think about church, food is a big part of it. And I think God intended it that way. The early church always celebrated with food because Jesus revealed that food was something good, that it was to be enjoyed, and it's part of our relationships, and it's part of something beautiful that God made for our worship. Even today, we have a, a meal here prepared for a fundraiser today, right? So food is something to be enjoyed. Food is a gift from God. Jesus enjoyed food. In fact, the Pharisees, that was one of the accusations they brought against Jesus. You enjoy food too much. <laughs> so, so we cannot enjoy food too much. Food is to be enjoyed. It's to be, uh, uh, it's given for our good. The whole Bible, the whole Bible story culminates in a feast, if you read the book of Revelation, you look what Jesus talks about. He says the kingdom of God is like a wedding feast. And so all of human history culminates in this gigantic wedding celebration where there will be food. It's the wedding supper of the Lamb. And so we have to have that framework that God gave food for us. And it's for our good, it's for our enjoyment, it's for our provision, it's for our sustenance, it's for life. And all this comes from God. Okay? Don't lose sight of that. <laughs> That's so important in this discussion. But one of the interesting things you look at in the New Testament after Jesus is baptized, was baptized, and as we listen to Hebrews 12, it says, fix our eyes on Jesus. So we have to understand, how did Jesus model faith? How did he model what running this race with God is? What does it look like? And so what we see in Jesus is a temptation. And Jesus identified with us in temptation. We all struggle with temptation. So Jesus was tempted by the devil. And the devil, if you look at it, the first temptation he brought to Jesus was around food. Interesting. Remember, Jesus was fasting for 40 days. And he was out in the wilderness in the desert. And in that place, the devil came to him and said, Turn these stones to bread. Turn these stones to bread. And so as we look at what 
um, food sacrifice to idols is all about, this temptation gets to the crux, the, the, the center of the matter around sinfulness around food. You see, stones weren't given by God to sustain life. Stones weren't meant to be eaten, correct? We don't, we don't eat stones, right? And yet, what the devil does is he always tries to twist things. God's good creation, what God created for good, the devil twists and he tempts us to use something that God didn't give us uh, for a purpose that God didn't give us for. And so, so God created stones, but not to be eaten. Just like God told Adam and Eve, the tree of knowledge of good of evil wasn't to be eaten. You see, but the devil, what was his temptation? Eat of it. So the devil will always take things for whose purpose God int didn't intend for, and he twists it, he turns it. So stones that aren't meant to give life, the devil says, can give life. You see what he does? He tries to tempt us to try to get life from things that God didn't give for life. And so this issue of food sacrifice to idols will always twist God's truth and try to, to tempt us or lead us into thinking that somehow it will satisfy us. It will somehow fulfill us. It will somehow give us life. It will sustain us when it was never meant for that. In fact, we saw in Judges, idolatry always leads to what? Slavery, oppression, death. And guess what? If we take food or drink and we use it in a way that God didn't intend it, what will happen? It will kill us. <laughs> it will enslave us. It will destroy us. Because God meant something for good and the devil twists it. And it turns into something that will destroy our lives. I was reading over the course of the pandemic, deaths from alcohol consumption went up by 25% here in the United States. People died because drink got twisted into something God never intended it to be. And we know this. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is backed up. You can research it. If you, if you overeat, if you use food in a way that God didn't intend, it will kill you. And it will lead to slavery and oppression and death. So I'm going to look at three things that are idolatrous in our culture, in our lives, and that tempts us. And I include myself in this, okay? I'm with you in this struggle. I'm not immune to this. We are all in this struggle. What, what does it say? We are running this race. And so we're, we're all hindered. We're all entangled by these things in different ways. And it looks different in our different lives. But we can all relate to this temptation. Jesus related to us. And what did Jesus tell to the devil in response to the temptation? He says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. You see, we need God to help us understand our idolatry, our sin, and understand what is good and right for us. So the first thing I want to highlight this morning is this issue of comfort. This issue of comfort. Did you know food God never intended for comforting us? <laughs> God is called the comforter. In fact, God says throughout the Old Testament to come to him and he will provide comfort. Isaiah chapter 40. And what is the Holy Spirit called? The comforter. God is the God of all comfort. But the temptation that the devil brings to us is that somehow Food will bring us comfort, even though it was never intended for that. In John chapter 6, there's an issue of food because uh, the crowds are hungry. And so Jesus multiplies the bread and the fish, right? And so it says there's over 5,000 men, and so there's more people, thousands and thousands of people. And Jesus feeds them. Later in John chapter 6, the crowds keep coming after Jesus because they want more bread. <laughs> they want more food. And this is, what, this is what Jesus says. He says, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. 
And so there's this temptation to, uh, to see the hungers and the needs of our lives and think somehow bread is the answer. Food is somehow the answer. But what does Jesus say? Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. And so when we have pain, discomfort, difficulty, stress, anxiety in our lives, and we do, we all do, <laughs> where do we run? What do we turn to? Amen. <laughs> I love you, Darcy. We turn to Jesus. But the temptation, just like in the wilderness where the devil said, turn the stones to food, we, we look to other things to try to fill those empty or hard places in our lives. But what does Jesus say? What the Son of Man will give you, so the food that spoils, but the Son of Man will give you eternal life. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And then later Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Do you see what Jesus is claiming? He's saying that the deepest human longings, the deepest human needs, can't be met by food and drink alone. That, that there's something deeper, there's something more profound about how we're made, how we're designed, that, that food can sustain physical life, but we're more than physical beings. We're spiritual beings, we're eternal beings, Jesus says. And so it's in Jesus that we find satisfaction for those things that food cannot satisfy. For those things that food cannot sustain us in, Jesus can sustain us in. Remember the woman at the well, Jesus said, drink from the water I give you and you will have eternal life. You will be satisfied. And so this morning as we look at these idols, whether it's, it's this issue of comfort and we're gonna look at two more, I believe the scripture has given us practices or disciplines, the, the context of Hebrews chapter 12 is about discipline. Later in verse 4 it says, In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted the point of shedding blood. And so it talks about the Lord's discipline because he loves us. And so he invites us to training as athletes. And so athletes, they train, they discipline, they prepare. And this is the call in the Christian life is, is not that we save ourselves. Rather, the, the invitation is to fix our eyes on Jesus, realize that Jesus saves us on the cross. He forgives us. He delivers us from every idol, from every sin, everything. Yet, we're called to follow his example. This is the cloud of witnesses who, who, who put their faith and their trust and they discipline themselves and they sought God. And this is the invitation for us. This is the process of sanctification. And so one of the disciplines that God gives us is fasting. And so it's giving up food or drink for certain seasons or different things. And that, I think this is going to look different for all of us. But here's what I want to challenge you with this morning. Is there something that you're running to for comfort that isn't Jesus that he would ask you to give up? So it may be a meal, it may be a certain kind of food, it may be a drink, it may be something. But is there something that, that the Holy Spirit would reveal to you in your heart that he would ask you to give up for a season or for a time or maybe for a lifetime? I don't know. But fasting, Jesus practiced fasting. Christians have always practiced fasting because we understand that we have a greater need than just the food and the drink that we that, that fulfills our bodies, that, that we have a longing for the bread of life, for Jesus himself. Two other idols related to food, and these are, are deeply connected. One is selfish security, and the other is selfish consumerism. Jesus talked about this in two different ways. And, and I say selfish because security, just like comfort, comes from God. Security is something that, that we need and that we uh, long for and that God alone can satisfy. Just like comfort, that idea of security is something that we need. But, but when it's self-generated, uh, self-focused, or consumerism, when we, we think about how we can satisfy just our own needs, this becomes idolatrous in our lives. And Jesus talked about it in two places. Luke chapter 12 he told them a parable of a certain rich man. And, and the focus of these parables isn't, 
the issue of being rich, because we have many other places where, where, where wealth isn't the issue, but it has to do with the posture of the heart. It has to do with idolatry. A certain rich man had this huge harvest, food, right? He had this huge crop. He says, what should I do with all this food? What should I do with all my crops? He said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and I will store my surplus grain. He said to himself, I will have plenty of grain laid up for many years, and here's the issue. I will take life easy. I'll eat and drink and be merry. And Jesus called this man a fool. He said, you fool. Your life will be demanded from you. And so here's the issue. The rich man thought that his security was in his storehouses of food. <laughs> he thought, if I just have enough food to last for my life, then I'll just enjoy life and I'll be satisfied. And Jesus says, that's a mistake. That's idolatry. Later, Jesus says in Matthew 16, if you try to hang on to your life, if you try to hold on to your own life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Here's the issue. We can't be secure enough on our own. <laughs> you can't store up enough food. <laughs> it will not last. Only Jesus can be our true security. The, th the third issue of selfish consumerism, Jesus told another story about another rich man. In Luke 16, there was a rich man who dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. And at his gate laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and he longed to eat. So remember, these parables are about food, the issue of food and idolatry around this in our lives. He longed to eat what fell from the rich man's table. And so here's the issue. The rich man was a consumer. He had everything he needed, but it was selfish consumption. He was just trying to satisfy his own needs, his own desires. And he, did never, he never saw Lazarus. He never invited Lazarus to share a meal with him. And Jesus uses the strongest language in this parable because he pictures this man in hell. Because he said, this is a serious issue. This is a serious issue. So how do we confront that sin? How do we, how do we confront if, if the issue of comfort, we have to fast and we have to give up food, right? And I think that relates to these as well. I think the discipline or the practice that the New Testament invites us to is actually hospitality. It's actually hospitality. And so the other question I want to ask you is, is the Holy Spirit maybe... Um, going to convict and, and, and allow you to see places where you can practice hospitality. Now, sometimes we think hospitality means you have to have a big enough house and you have to um, be able to entertain a lot of people, but I don't think it's entertaining because I think Jesus was the most hospitable person who ever lived and he didn't have a house. <laughs> he was the most hospitable person who ever lived and he did not have a house. How do we see hospitality in Jesus? Everywhere Jesus went, he was inviting people to eat with him. <laughs> so Zacchaeus, he went to his Zacchaeus house. What do we see? A whole bunch of people came to eat with Jesus. When Matthew, the tax collector, invited Jesus, it was filled with people, right? And not just certain kinds of people, but all kinds of people. Disciples, prostitutes, tax collectors, Pharisees, the Sadducees, the rich, the poor, the crippled, the lame. Jesus opened his heart, his life, everything that he had, he shared with others. Because here's the root issue, I think, in worship. If we think we're the consumers, if we think it's about our security, our comfort, then we become the gods. <laughs> right? It's all about us. But the New Testament tells us that we are to be living sacrifice. We are the sacrifices for God. That's our spiritual act of worship. And so it's not about what we can get or what we can hold on to, what we can keep. This is what Jesus is describing. Rather, it's what can we offer, what can we give, because we were designed to be worshipers. We were designed to be living sacrifices. And so it's not that what we can consume, it's but what can God consume? What can we give to God? 
You see, it's a, it's a whole different mindset, right? From the, the parables that, where the rich people were collecting, Jesus, Jesus thought of wealth very differently. He says the, the wealth is given by God to give. Food is given by God to give, to share. <laughs> Hospitality. Hospitality. I remember in uh, Minnesota, we, uh, we befriended a, a butcher. I don't know if you guys, have you ever known any butchers? <laughs> um, if you ever shake a butcher's hand, they have these big, strong hands. And so I've known a few butchers, but this man was like this. Uh, his name was Chente. He was a butcher at the local Mexican uh, grocery store. And he was a big, strong guy, big hands. And, uh, and so we were getting to know him and his family. And, uh, and so one day we, we had him over to our house and they had uh, he had kids and grandkids and so they were running playing with our kids and we just a beautiful summer day in Minnesota we're sitting outside and we had built a little fire and uh, and just enjoying and we had eaten and we were just enjoying food and uh, I looked over and Chente was sitting by the fire and he was just weeping just tears running down his face I said, oh no, what did I do? <laughs> what did, did we do something to offend you? And so I said, what, what's wrong, Chente? And he was just weeping. He says, I've been in this country for 12 years, and this is the first time I've been invited in someone's home. And it, like, it just like, my heart sank. <laughs> but, but it was beautiful, too, because we were experiencing something that I think God uh, is inviting us to, is that when we open our homes, when we open our food, when we share, there's something powerful that takes place. Transformation, love, peace. There's beauty that's born out of that. And so Christians are called to be hospitable. In fact, I was surprised. I went through the New Testament and I said, how many times is it commanded that, that we are to be hospitable? This, this discipline of hospitality is so woven in the scriptures. Romans chapter 12, it says, contribute to the needs of the saints. Practice hospitality. First Peter 4 be hospitable to one another without complaint. First Timothy 3, qualifications to be a leader. So, so, so the New Testament is saying, if you want to be a leader in the church, what does it say? You have to practice hospitality. And Titus, hospitality. Hebrews 13, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. So it must be important. It must be important. Now we always, uh, disciplines are hard, whether it's fasting or doing hospitality because there's a cost to it, right? There's a cost. But I think here's the beautiful thing that I think we're invited into. It feels risky. It feels scary to share, to give, to invite people into our lives. But I think it's a worship issue because God knows that our hearts are tempted towards comfort in food, towards security in food, towards consumption in food, but when we practice fasting and hospitality, it frees our hearts to worship God <laughs> and to be about what God's about. And this is, I think, what Hebrews 12 is talking about, that running this race, that we run with perseverance and we fix our eyes on Jesus. And so we, we discipline ourselves, as uncomfortable it is, as it is. We do it and we begin to see the kingdom of God break in and our hearts are set free from those idols, from those temptations. And we begin to see that Jesus can make a new way in our lives. You see, that's what Jesus, I think, is saying here in Hebrews 12. He's saying he accomplished something on the cross, but he wants us to follow his way. He gives us an example. He shows us how to do this. And so Jesus practiced fasting and hospitality. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. And here's what I want you to pray about over the next three weeks leading up to Easter. Pray about this. Ask God to show you. Is there sin that's entangling in your heart over the issue of food? And, and I can't answer that question. No one can answer that question for you. <laughs> only, only you and God. God is the one who reveals these things. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to bring conviction, right? Confess that to him. Bring that to him. And ask him to show you how to fast, how to practice hospitality. And then would you com commit to doing it? And then share with someone how you're going to do it. 
because we need accountability, right? <laughs> like, I can, I can say, okay, I'm going to do this over the next three weeks, God, but, but if I tell Tom, Tom, I'm going I'm to have people over to my house over the next couple weeks, and I'm going to try to practice hospitality, then there's accountability, right? And we need each other. That's, that's something else I noticed in this Hebrews 12. It's not the singular, it's we, we, we need to encourage each other in this race. <laughs> we need to help each other. So that's why we don't condemn each other. We help each other. We encourage each other. We, 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 we uh, spur each other on, right? We pray for each other. We encourage each other to do this. Would you pray with me? Lord, we come before you this morning thankful, thankful for food, Lord. <laughs> we give thanks that you've provided for us. We have so much. But God, show us where we've trusted or we've found comfort in something that was never intended for. And God, help us to practice hospitality, to share what you've given us, to open our gates, to open our doors, to open our hearts, to open our pantries, <laughs> to share with others, Lord. Because God, you, you teach us that this is for our good. <laughs> This is for our good, and it's the good of everyone around us, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
hospitable thirst. Help us not to worship stuff. Amen. God bless you guys. Don't forget about the fundraiser in the basement to help out the kids going to e-collect.